I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. In a game with nothing to gain and a lot to lose, the Orange floundered its way to a 60-55 victory over Pitt in front of a cute 7,000 fans at the Peterson's Event Center. We'll give you the good and the bad of that game as we grade the Orange on the road. And of course, Joe previews the Orange's next game against Georgia Tech at the McIntosh Pavilion Wednesday, January 31st at 8. Let's go. Make some noise, Orange fans. It's time for the Juice Nation podcast with Sean and Joe. Give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Q's Nation podcast. All right, what's up, Q's Nation? Thanks for tuning in to episode 54 of the Q's Nation podcast with Sean and Joe. We can be found on any major platform or directory, including Podcast Addict, Player FM, pretty much everywhere. So if you could, please subscribe, whatever directory or platform you listen on, that would be much appreciated. And you can go back and uh, uh, in episode 53, I cut out the uh, portion where we talked about the new criteria for the NCAA selection committee. I cut just the eight minute segment out. If you didn't hear it and you don't feel like listening to the whole episode, uh, you can go back. That's all cut by itself on every platform that we are available on. So I'm Sean alongside my good buddy Joe. I saw a, a, a quick stat I wanted to make everybody aware of that um, O'Shea Brissett has now. He kind of he's kind of lost it the past couple games, but he he does have a, a possibility of of reaching some of these guys on the on the list of SU fresh, freshmen with 100 plus free throw attempts, and uh, you've got Carmelo Anthony at the top of that statistic, and he's got Melo was 168 for 238, and right now O'Shea Brissett he's down towards the bottom, but he's 101 for 127, but he has the best uh, free throw percentage at. 79.5. So he's still got a ways to go. He was on pace for doing it, but he did not get to the line. O'Shea Brissett did not have the best game at Pitt. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit, but first, um, do some quick facts from Brent Axe that I saw. Pittsburgh has used, did you know that they've used 15 different starting lineups in 21 games a season? I mean, I mean, holy cow. Talk about trying to figure it out. Saturday marked the 113th meeting between Syracuse and Pittsburgh, and we hold that rec- uh, that um, all-time series at 68-45. to 45. The Orange's 22 points were just one more than the season low 21, which came in losses to Kansas and Florida State. So... 
that 22 points did they looked horrible at halftime i was just i was beside myself with that yeah uh pitt has lost 13 consecutive acc regular season games the panthers last acc win was in 80 to 66 overtime decision um over number 17 florida back in february 2017 and Syracuse's win was just the third one in 15-year history at Peterson Event Center. Um, that's it for that. So, all right, Joe, let's 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 grade the orange. Um, you know, fortunately for Syracuse, Pittsburgh is, that, is, is ugly. A grade? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get there. But um, lucky for Syracuse, Pittsburgh's awful. Yeah, you're not winning. You're not winning that game playing like that unless you're playing Pittsburgh. I mean, plain and simple. Um, they shot eight for twenty-seven in the first half combined for both teams. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was ugly. Yeah, <laughs> so it was ugly. And we've we've talked before about how important it is to get to the line. They shot nineteen for twenty-six is seventy-three percent, which is pretty good. Um, the Panthers went 10 for 14. They didn't get as many foul shots. But, you know, those 19 points at the foul line, uh, I believe it should have been more. Could have, I think, were better than that. But absolutely crucial to pulling off that that win, um, especially going down the stretch. Oh, yeah. It was bad. Let's just put it this way. I, I had to record it, so I was a little bit behind, probably half an hour behind. And it got to, like, 10 minutes left in the first half, and I just wanted to press live. That's how ugly that was. Yeah. I, I didn't even want to. I just wanted to just get to where we were, and uh, I just. I think. I hope anyway, because this has happened two different times against Pittsburgh this year, but um, that it's just us playing down to our, our opponents again. You saw, Beheim not. I mean, even with Moyer being injured, he wasn't afraid to go right to his bench early, bringing Howard Washington into DB again. So, um, again, I just. I think it's a little bit of playing down to the competition because both games against against Pitt, um, they were just ugly like this, just grinded out, hard to watch. Um, and at the end, you know, I mean, obviously the one at home, we had a little bit better of a cushion near the end. And this one, it could have been a little bit better if we didn't have a couple, you know, I don't know, a three-pointer with a, a foul, some dumb stuff. I mean, Sidibe played great, but... Uh, a couple times he went out and but he followed some three-point shooters. So there were some dumb plays, especially at the end there. Um, but either way, like I'll say it every single time, win's a win. And just hope that this is just – I'm glad that a game like this from Howard and Brissett came against Pittsburgh. Yeah. And not somebody where it would have – because they play like this against – Shoot, just Georgia Tech probably our next game, and and it's not going to be pretty. So, yeah, um, you know exactly what you, what you said um, when you're watching the game and you just want to press live because it's so ugly. Um, O'Shea Brissett, he was one for twelve before about eight and a half minutes left in the game, and when Syracuse finally uh, decided to put some distance between uh, them and the Panthers, they went on a seven zero run. And um, courtesy of a pass from Merrick to uh, Brissett, and he finally hit one of his three-pointers. Um, and that was pretty much it. I don't think the Panthers, after that eight-and-a-half-minute mark or so, the Panthers, they never got within four points again. But how many times did they get within four points? I mean, they were in the game all the way until pretty much to the end of the game. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, I feel like they should have just been able to put them away early, and it was very reminiscent of the game at home. Low scoring, just a mess. It was sloppy. Um, again, I feel like the refs let them play a little bit more than, than normal, which you mentioned last time – you know, causes right. a sloppy game in itself. So, Joe. No, it's fu- uh, but it's funny, though, because we didn't, there wasn't nearly as many turnovers as the last game either. So, well, that's uh, true. Our 11, to, our 11 to their nine in, in, in points off of turnovers wasn't even, I mean, it wasn't even a factor. I don't even think. No. I, I think it, maybe, it was like four or five was, that we, I think we yeah, had five. Six. They had I think it was two. six for us. And they had two, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah because no one could hit. <laughs> Yeah, we out-rebounded them 48-42. to 42. Um, They had more offensive rebounds than us, but either way, I mean, this year we're 15-3 and three, uh, when we out-rebound opponents, 0-3 when we don't. So usually when we get that stat, it's, uh, it's a good sign for us. But again, just looking at these shooting numbers, they're just ugly. They're just ugly. So, 30, yeah. 35%, 19-54. Um Thank God they shot at 27 percent, 18 for 65. I guess here's here's my question, Joe. What is it about Pitt that has given Syracuse such fits in both games this year, and it, it, with a team that's just they're just they're not that good? Let's be honest, Pitt sucks. They suck. Well, I think it's one of those things where anybody, if if we have a bad shooting day like this, or a team decides that they're going to come out and play an energized defense, then they can hold us to enough points to keep keep them in the game. You know, especially a game on the road like that. It did look like the crowd was into it, even though their team's not doing that well. I mean, you, you saw the crowd and the students give a pretty good effort to try to beat an old Big East foe. But yeah, I just I don't I don't know I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the fact that it's a rivalry and rivalries are never easy, no matter the the record. But um, this year it was sloppy, and I'm just glad that we got got the two wins out of it because either one of these losses would have been would have been bad. And I completely agree, Joe. So I guess here it is. What, what grade do you give them? I, I'll tell you what. I gave them, I gave them a C, okay? If this game is at home, even though they won, I, I give them a C-. minus. But because they're on the road, I bump them up to a C. They, you know, if it weren't for Sadibi, first of all, they, they wouldn't have won the game. Uh, I don't right. think they would have won the game with Chukwu in there. Because uh, yeah. for, for whatever reason... He's not been able to handle Pittsburgh. The, the, when we played at home, Sadibi, if you remember right, that was his butterfinger game. He could yeah. he could not hold on to the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. So I gave him I gave him a, a C percent shooting twenty five percent. You know I thought the rebounds I thought we should have you know we handled it we won the battle but we should have had more offensive rebounds especially with that many misses. I, it was like one and done a lot of times. It's just very frustrating. Uh, they're lucky to get a C, but I think that's fair uh, with a win on the road. What yeah, about you? I'll probably go C- minus just because of how bad Pittsburgh is and the fact that this is – and a little bit has to do with the first game as well and how they played, but it just seems like both times they come out – they've came out uninterested against Pittsburgh. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, like they're that much better than them, and, and this team's not good enough to do that. So – um, they can't shoot like that. They can't come out and not and play with that type of low energy like that. I mean, with the game Chuku just had, he should have been able to dominate and do. And then to see what Sidibe did, and it's like, why didn't Chuku do that when he just had the game that he had? So um, I'm glad that Sidibe came in and, and proved to Beheim that his knees are good and that he can still contribute to this team. And was glad to see 
um, and hopefully puts a little bit of pressure on Chukwu, or if not, gives us two options down low um, so we can play a little bit more aggressive down there and it'll definitely help on the offensive end. So um, Sadibi, without a doubt, like we said, player of the game and C minus just because um, they should have had, they should have handled it a little bit better. So they just still came out and and uninterested. And I don't like, I don't like that. I don't like it either. And um, both big men coming off of both of their best performances of the year. And I think Sadibi takes it for the better of the two um, you know, the good thing is, and we talked about this last night, the good thing is is that, um, you know, these guys, these two aren't going anywhere, and, and they're only going to get better. And Sadibi, I think the only thing that he really, really, really needs to do in the offseason, he needs to gain some weight. Yeah. And he needs to put some weight on, and he, he, will, be, he will be a force if he can. Well, yeah, and this, I mean, actually, it um, – this turns into the only real hot hand situation that we have now because um, before it was Moyer and Dolge and I mean Howard Washington isn't going to come in and blow the socks off to to start over Howard or Battle but I mean here this this gives I mean I doubt Sadibi will start but this gives incentive for Chukwu in the beginning of the game because he can start the game and if he comes out a little slow or he's not aggressive and he, and he has problems Beheim's going to have no problem putting Sadibi in there now and. If Sidibe plays good like this past weekend, then Pascal might not see the court again. So, Yeah, just real quick for Sidibe, uh, 18 points. It's awesome. 16 rebounds. It's great. And he also yeah. had three blocks. Um, right. So And, and oh, coming off of not really playing, he you was, know what I mean? Yeah, and he was 6 for 8 from the line, too. So, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with 6 for 8. I'm good with yes. that. Yes, um, and I also like the... Uh, the confidence that Dolce is coming in on. Um, he's not blowing the socks off numbers, but I mean, he had a good game last game. We both picked him as our player of the game. And, yep, um, yep. you know, as he gains more confidence, I think that he's going to be um, a lot better, especially in the offensive end. Uh, when he filled the stat sheet, seven points, five rebounds, three assists, two blocks. I mean, you know, if he keeps playing, gaining confidence and playing better and, and gaining more experience, uh, but, but regardless of his size, and there's a lot of players on this team that need to put on weight, but um, it's going <laughs> yeah. to be it's going to be hard for Matthew Moyer, hard pressed for him to get his job back when he gets healthy, whenever he gets healthy. Yeah, I believe the chant was uh, towards Mark. Uh, he's a noodle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, whatever. And then he goes and stuffs that dude He totally, yeah. uh, on a dunk, um, which is just gratifying as hell. So yeah. um, real quick, here's what Coach had to say. Barama was tremendous. Uh, he's been getting better in practice, healthier. He had his best practice of the year this week. I didn't anticipate him playing that much, but Pascal was not involved in the game at all. He wasn't doing what he's been doing, catching, going up strong. He was looking. Uh, but uh, Barama was uh, tremendous. I, I still think if he had been healthy all year, he could do this on a regular basis. He's a very good player down there. Um, he gets a little overexcited. He fouled the guys on a three-point shot at the end. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's uh, he, make, he tries to make plays. Uh, I, I thought he was he was tremendous. Today. He was the difference in the game. Absolutely. I mean, everything he just said is just on point. On. I mean, yep. it, it mean, he is the coach, but uh, I wouldn't have pulled it if I didn't love it so much. So uh, great for Sadibi. Hopefully, he can start to um, 
uh, get over the health issues. He looked great. Hopefully he can he can continue that. Another guy that was kind of disappointing yesterday was was Frank Howard. And like you mentioned, you know if he's going to have one of these games, best to be against Pittsburgh. You know, averaging what fifteen point seven points a game. He and he ended up with let's see, what did he have? Howard. Uh, six. So yeah, he had a bad game. Yeah, he had a terrible game. He was thirty-seven point five percent from behind the arc. He went zero for four, um, five point five assists per, per game, which you know is neither here nor there, I guess. But um, just you know, sluggish. The whole beginning of the game, the whole first half, the whole three, for th- first three quarters of the game was sluggish. So yeah. and like Coach said, he was the difference. The DB was the difference in the game. So Joe, any final thoughts on Pitt? Uh, no, I'm just glad that it's over. It's over. And, <laughs> um, I don't know we, if it comes to a situation where you might have to play them. I mean, I hope not, but if we have to play them again in the ACC tournament, I mean, it would be, I'd hope so just probably because they're going to be ranked last. So that, I mean, we'll be up there and, uh, it's most likely going to be our easiest game, but I probably won't watch it. So <laughs> just because how boring it is. Yeah, you know? it's just, it's awful. It's painful. Because I'd be willing to guess that if we played a third time, it would be pretty much right around the same. We'd be in the low 60s. It's, they'd be in the low 50s, and it would be boring as hell. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, Pitt is done, hopefully, until next year. That's yep. all we have to say about that. All right, Joe. We are headed to... Georgia Tech, Wednesday, January 31st at 8 p.m. Uh, start time at the McIntosh Pavilion. Joe, what do we need to look forward to headed to Georgia Tech? Well, I mean, a lot can be said after tonight. They uh, they have a game tonight against Clemson. So, again, we'll have at least one extra day, although they are home, so they're not going to have to travel at all. Um, Georgia Tech's a weird team because they started out the year okay in the beginning, uh, they had a loss against UCLA, then won, I think, their first four. But then they went on a real bad um, bad losing streak, and they lost some games they probably shouldn't have lost to. Just recently, um, they went through a little uh, little streak of beating Miami and Notre Dame and Pittsburgh in the ACC, and then they actually have lost their last three. They're good opponents, but they lost uh, to Virginia at North Carolina and at Florida State. So... It'll be interesting to see what they have for uh, Clemson. They're currently the record uh, this year is ten and ten, and they're three and four in the ACC. Um, and again, I like their coach, and I <laughs> the roster isn't awful. Um, they got a couple guys. Ben Lammers is their main guy. Uh, there's big talk about him being a, a maybe an All American, All ACC type guy. Um, he's I guess been slowed a little bit this year, but. Um, they got some guys that that'll definitely um, fill it up. Uh, they got four guys that average over ten points a game. Um, Tadrick ja- uh, Jackson, a guard. Uh, Jose Alvarado is a guard, and Josh Akogi, another guard. So they're going to have three guards set with uh, Ben Lambert's six ten center, and um, then uh, another forward out there. I think Guye. Um, but again, it's just you don't really know what to expect because of how they play. They're just they're just up and down. And again, like I said, they've been playing better recently. Um, but a 16, 16 point loss to Virginia, fourteen point loss to North Carolina, eleven point loss to Florida State. Um, Ken Pomeroy uh, has us uh, ranked around forty three, and they have Georgia Tech around one twelve. 
And also looking at the real time RPI today, um, Georgia Tech's RPI is at 140. So this would actually constitute as a quadrant three game, which means that it's a little bit more important than um, than possibly maybe what it, what it would be if they would have had a couple early early wins in Georgia Tech. Uh, was probably where they thought they were going to be. But right now, not to say that it can change, but right now, because the mark for uh, a question three away game is uh, it's got to be over 135. Right, they're probably so, not going to move that much in one game. So you know, they're, at, they're at 140, and if Georgia Tech ends up making that up and ended up in the 130s, 120s, then that would turn into a quadrant two loss. But for right now, it is a, a quadrant three game, and it would be a quadrant three loss, which is one that we do not have yet this year. So... It's, uh, it's an important game. Just like with Pitt, not a whole lot to gain, but a little more to lose if if we don't if we don't pull it off. And it and it would be right. you know it would be it, they're they're beatable they're decent but they're beatable. Um, like you said, it's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, Lammers is familiar. I mean, he's been around, you know. Yeah, and he can make that jumper in the at the free throw line. Um, so there's definitely some some something to be scared about with that. And he is a good player, so. Yeah. Um, all right. Well. So, so, but I mean, even looking at their at their schedule, lost to Grambling, lost at Wofford, lost to Wright State. I mean, these are you turn those three games around, which this team normally would. You're talking about a 13 and seven team. Who knows what to do with Clemson? And it's a different ball game. Uh, that would have changed the RPI. So, I don't know exactly what was going on. I I would probably be willing to guess that there was some internal stuff going on whether it was uh, injuries or not because Georgia Tech is not that bad. And again, they've turned it they've turned it around a little bit here uh this past month. So again, their RPI could I mean it's going to it's going to rise just by the teams that they play in the ACC regardless, but Right. I think mm-hmm. like about like I talked about before the first pick game that this is a nice little four game stretch where we could have went from you know 12 and 6 to to 16 and 6 and we're three games through, so and we've leveled off. We've reached the 500 mark inside the yep. ACC. Yep. So, you know, a couple more of these. You know, got Virginia coming into the dome. Yeah. Got a quadrant one game coming through. I mean, Virginia just beat Duke on Saturday. So Yeah, and that was um, a bad day for home teams in the ACC. The first four games of the day Saturday, all the home teams lost. Oh, yeah. I got a coworker that uh, – NC State and, uh, fan? Three, no, North Carolina. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, him and three friends. It's like $500 seats, parking passes. <laughs> yeah. I had a buddy. Uh, a, He's going to be pretty upset. I'm sure he had a great time. A but. buddy of mine in Virginia Beach is a UNC fan. And him and his son, they went there, made a weekend out of it. It was a part of a Christmas present, you know? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. That's... And NC State, that I was mean, a heartbreaker in overtime. Yeah, I'll too. tell you what, NC State is. They're, they can shoot lo- the ball. I've been looking at them in Ken Palm and RPI and stuff, and their their numbers aren't bad. So, yeah, they're, uh, they're they can be a dangerous team. They're just not consistent. But um, yeah, another thing I was looking at too, Wake Forest. You know, they had a bad loss the other day. Was it? Um, it was thirty points. I I I turned. I I was flipping between that game and there was another game, Virginia Tech. Yeah, Virginia Tech got a win yesterday. Yeah, yeah, um, that was a closer game. I just was I was on that game. The last I looked, <laughs> Wake Forest was uh, down by thirty points to Louisville at Louisville. Was that was that where they were playing? 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. Ninety six seventy seven. Who? Yeah. There you go. Twenty nine points. Yeah. Let's see. Florida State beat Miami one hundred three to ninety four in overtime. Uh, Virginia Tech beat Notre Dame. So. Yeah, ACC up and down, but that that Wake Forest game, um, when I saw that score, actually, it kind of got me a little worried because I started thinking about what they've been doing lately, and I went and looked at, again, when I was looking up Georgia Tech's uh, real-time RPI, when I was looking at the quadrant, um, you know, the numbers that we were talking about, and um, that's what I figured out, that, you know, 136 to 2-something, um, as far as away games, the RPI is a, a quadrant 3 game, and... Um, I looked in Wake Forest. They have they're 126 right now. So if they drop to past farther than 135 into the 136 and beyond range, then that's going to end up turning into a quadrant three loss, which is something that we don't have yet. Yeah, so, and something we don't need. No, some exactly something we don't need either. So as Syracuse fans out there, um, you know, I might live in a, a town called Wake Forest, but I'm no Homer here. But I think we just need to. <laughs> we got a we got a route. Well, yeah, we have another game against them too, so we have another, yeah. you know, we have another time to right that wrong. But looking at this team, eight and thirteen, and ooh, they just they don't look. I mean, they look worse than Georgia Tech, and um, you know, a couple more games here, and you start wondering how we even lost that game. So I'm hoping that I'm gonna be a Wake Forest fan for the rest of the year, and just hope that that RPI doesn't drop us to uh, to get that loss because. I think even with Georgia, if we were to happen to lose fall to Georgia Tech next weekend, who's to say that that win by them would push them past that mark to turn it into a quadrant two loss anyway? So Georgia Tech, we got to get that W. Wake Forest, we got to kind of watch and, and hope that they don't fall and maybe they can get a couple wins to keep them above that threshold. Just, you know, keep away any type of blemish that, that could be uh, used against us come tournament time. So, Yeah, um, yeah that could be brutal. We got to go in there. We got we got to take Georgia Tech at least, right? Um, or we can win enough games to where our record is good enough, and it doesn't matter. So right, that's that's the situation though where you you got to take one of them. You got to take one of them because oh, they're, yeah. they're both going to be they're both going to be considered you know borderline bad losses being in the quadrant three, and that's what's crazy about the quadrants is that they're like we mentioned. In the segment we talked about, is this is it's like a living, breathing thing. It's constantly changing. And it's, it's liquid. Yeah, man. Um, so, all right. Well, uh, Syracuse will play Wednesday night. We'll get back here to do the uh, wrap up of the Georgia Tech game, and then Syracuse plays Virginia at the Dome on Saturday. They're yeah. on. They're on fire, but they've struggled in the <sighs> Dome. They've struggled in the Dome. No, but they didn't struggle at Cam, Cameron Indoor, did they? No, I mean, they struggled, they struggled against us recently, you know, and we talked about them having all the incentive in the world to, to kind of whoop up on us at Georgia earlier or at Virginia earlier in the year. So, you know, we'll wait and see, just hope to get through this one first. And I think, I think no matter what happens, uh, on Wednesday, I think we'll be ready for Virginia on Saturday. So sorry, I didn't have too much. I haven't really, um, watched too much of Georgia Tech this year so I know some uh, familiar names and I know you know looking at their schedule that they've been playing a little bit better um but uh for anybody who wants to check them out you know they play Clemson tonight so you can get a first-hand look get, get your own little scouting report for for That'd Georgia Tech on Wednesday so be a great upset if you do six. it well go Georgia Tech tonight <clears throat> um 
I can I can get behind that. It's that time of year where you got to start getting behind some of the teams oh, yeah. you, you just don't like. Um, well, I mean, who's to say that if they beat Clemson that uh, that they're, they go up enough in the RPI to be a quadrant two loss? You know, they could get pushed up to a quadrant two team or a quadrant two game, I should say, on Wednesday just by you know them winning tonight, possibly. Yeah. So, so like right. you said, that's what's exciting about it. It's always moving. So cheer for cheer for uh, for our resume. You can always do that. So that's why I say, if you're an SU fan, cheer for Georgia Tech. Cheer for Wake Forest. Get those upsets. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, Joe. Um, that is it for episode 54. Thanks for tuning in. If you could be like Marty, be like Rosemary, be like Bubba, be like all the others on the Cuse Nation podcast. It's uh, facebook.com forward slash Cuse Nation podcast. So that's it. We'll come back after Georgia Tech. For Joe, I'm Sean. We're out. You just heard the Cuse Nation podcast with Sean and Joe. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.